Hello and welcome to Relationship Talk, the podcast hosted by Teresha Young, Relationship Master Coach. Now, each episode, we bring you an inspiring guest to help you find a deeper understanding of yourself, to set yourself up for dating, relationship, self-love and self-empowerment success. So enjoy, take notes and get ready to apply all key messages you learn today. Hello and welcome to Real Relationship Talk, the podcast hosted by yours truly, Teresha Young, Relationship Master Coach, where we have open, non-judgmental, heart-to-heart conversations about love, self-love, self-care, dating and relationships. And for this week's show, I am being joined by the amazing Shana Hibberts. Welcome. Hola. Hola, hola, hola. Thank you. Thank you, Teresha. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I am so happy to have you on the show. Oh my gosh, we've got so much to talk about. We have so much to share. So for everybody who doesn't know who Shana is, let me tell you a bit about her. So Shana is an author, transformational coach, motivational speaker, podcast host, facilitator, and early childhood specialist with over 30 years experience that engages her audience in both English and Spanish. While she loves to travel and has called many places home, Shana is a proud Cleveland, Ohio native and remains appreciative of her days growing up in a sports town near the Lake Erie area. She is a proud board member for Frontline Services and a Toastmaster member of Cleveland. She's also the author of the children's book, My Mismatched Socks. Now, My Mismatched Socks is an encouraging story that encourages true accounts of Shana and her sister's upbringing in hopes of empowering children to embrace their unique selves. Magical. A proud moment indeed since Shana promised her sister, Sabrina, that she would write a children's book one day about their lives. The next book in her children book series, Rice and Beans Meet Collard Greens, <laughs> will come out in the fall of 2023. Shana's most recent and first chapter book is catching the attention of many readers from all walks of life. Now, The Power of Love Energy is a true story about her soulmate love with her late husband who passed unexpectedly. She writes about their love story in a particular way that helps readers to believe and stay connected to real love. Identify the importance of building resilience through inner work. And lastly, understand how bereavement therapy and grief work are life-changing. Her writing is extremely candid and brings the reader into what it's likely to become a young grieving widow for her true love. And it's actually available now, the book. I have a copy here that I have read from start to finish. It's absolutely amazing. So powerful, Shana. And I know that we will go into this during this discussion here today. So I can't wait to discuss more about this journey, this really powerful love experience that you had with your late husband. Before we go on, Shana, I have to let you know something. I was clearing something. I was clearing my home and I came across very recently, like last week, this bookmark. Oh, <laughs> look at that. That's where it all started. <laughs> That's where it all started. <laughs> this was a beautiful gift from you to me 
wow you still have it I still have it and i thought how timely that the universe has manifested this back into my life as we're about to have an interview so this bookmark has been used in your book so what a timely wow i find so it's beautiful for those who can't see it it says story time with miss shana yt and it's Shonda there, having a little sip there on some juice. A sip of milk. It's <laughs> milk and cookies. That book was, you may, you'll, you know this book. I know you know this book because I know your daughter knows this book. Mm. If you give a mouse a cookie. Mm. Yeah. And that story, well, that author actually, she's been off. She's on her like fifth or sixth story. But that was uh, one of the first videos that I made on YouTube when I first appeared online oh. to, yeah, I was in the, that's where it all started at Storytime with Miss Shauna because I was already had my Miss Matt Socks book was already written. It mm. was drafted back then. The process and the time that it took for it to get published was because I decided that I wanted to be a self-published author and okay. I didn't want to go traditional publishing. So what I had to do in order to find out how to figure out those paths and those steps, because back then a lot of people were not telling you how mm, yeah. to do it or there was a lot of people that were trying to give get money from you from a couple of things that they knew about yeah. it was a lot of gimmick around it so I kind of had to sit on it and wait until I ran across the right people to understand how to you know self-publish my own book okay so I started the story time with YouTube channel to be able to let people know online who I was. People offline in my city knew who I was as far as I started off as a preschool teacher and I taught many children, had my own home childcare business and I was always gifted with working with children. I was mm -hmm. called the child whisperer growing up. Okay. And so when that channel came about, it was a way to get people to connect with people all over the world so they could get to know who I was mm. and also share the love for literature with children, because out of everything and how you teach children, that was always my favorite place was reading a book. I love reading stories. Okay. And I, I was I've been a writer since single digit age. So that was just natural for me to start a story time. YouTube channel while I try to figure out how to publish my books. Okay. Therefore support other authors and, you know, learn from, from that. And so I love to get into character. And mm. as you see right there, I was a mouse with a cookie at the end of that video. I take a bite of a cookie and it was a lot of fun. My late husband actually took that picture. Oh, really? Oh, it's such a lovely, lovely you know, picture. And I love that journey, that journey that you said where you move from being the, the child whisperer. What about, yeah, tell me yes. about that. So my husband coined me the child whisperer because he was, he was, he couldn't believe the impression that I had with children. Mm. And anywhere that we went, a child didn't have to know me. If they saw me, like we'll go to the grocery store, we're minding our own business and here's a toddler breaking his neck, turning around in the cart to get my attention. So everywhere I go, children stop to get my attention because, as you know, children have that extra sense where mm -hmm. they can detect a person that's really child friendly and they can detect a person that's not. <laughs> and yeah. so when they find someone that they know 
they can feel and sense their energy. Mm-hmm. They just, they go crazy. Yeah. I, I closed my business because at one time I needed a break from childcare and I closed my home childcare business and I became a flight attendant for a few years. And when they found out that I had an early childhood background, I was in charge of the Young Travelers Club. I was in charge of all of the unaccompanied minors no. that came on the on board the aircraft. And there were days where I would work on the, on, I would work my shift and I'm tired and I'm pushing the car and I'm asking, do you like Coke? Do you want ice with your Coke? Do you like a napkin? You know, and I'm going down the aisle doing my spiel. And with Alfel, if there's any children on there, they want to have a full blown conversation with me and, you know, just things like that. So my husband said, I don't know what it is that you have that these kids are willing to leave their parents to get by your side. You have something really special. He Mm. said, you're the child whisperer, you know, that's what he coined me as. Mm. Fast forward to moving forward after that, I was able to drum up a nice following over on YouTube. But as time was going on and I was evolving in the writing space, I was going to writing seminars, conferences, really trying to figure out how to publish my Miss Mess Socks. I finally got into some Facebook communities of writers in which people were had already did what I wanted to do. And they were more than willing to show me the ropes. So I was able to get that book published back in 2020, actually, in the pandemic year. That book came out, my Miss Mess Socks book, which are true accounts of my sister and I, mm-hmm. our childhood stories. And I did promise her that I would write write a book when we got yeah. older because we had a lot of fun adventures and my mismatch socks just speaks to beating at your own drum using your voice being your authentic self you know just really digging deep and being happy with who you are knowing that as a child single digit age if possible because once the world comes into your life things gets topsy-turvy and mm-hmm. sometimes you're living a truth that's not yours anymore yeah. and then you have to rediscover that which that journey has taken me to where i started pulling out the inner child out of adults later on in life, because I do inner child work and healing. I've been doing it for many years on myself. And I have brought myself away from many traumas and tribulations. Mm -hmm. And I've had forgiveness and grace and acceptance. And I didn't have to spend a dollar (laughs) in a professional office because Mm -hmm. I figured out how to write letters to myself, do a lot of inner work. I've always been on this journey of wanting to be the best human I could be since yeah. I was a child. I oh, I was that we are the world kid. We are the yeah. world. <laughs> you know, I was the kid that everybody was like, suck it up, buttercup. Everybody's not going to like what you have, you know? Yeah. And I would just be so crushed as a child, like, why? But we all could just be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I was that kid. Love so, that. So I ended up becoming the inner child whisperer today because when I sold my mismatched socks book, that book was sold to mostly adults, not children. Oh, that's so so interesting. Yes, because the storyline they felt tied into. And so I started doing with the transformational coaching, a lot of the work that I do, the basis is starting with the inner child and seeing how and where your inner child is. Right now, I work with clients where they feel stuck in their lives or they feel like there's got to be more than what's going on. And they're trying to figure out what their zone of genius is yeah. and how do they get around that. And so I work, I provide workshops and I provide one-to-one coaching, which is going to be starting up this uh, January. Okay. 
on helping clients to find that space, that itch to, to get them to that illuminated path. Yeah. And in turn, to unpack some of those things, to find their truth, yeah. and then to end up empowering and giving it back by building a legacy that we can hand down to the generations behind us. So that's where I am today yeah. with my work. That's amazing. I love that. I love that journey. And for many listeners out there listening to the the whole inner child work piece, they may be thinking, so how much of an influence can your inner child have on where you are today? So would you be able to share with us a bit more about how powerful that inner child work is and why it has such an impact on who we are as adults right now? Yes. So I'm going to give you an example Mm -hmm. for myself of Something that came about, um, I had no idea that this came about a couple of years ago, and I, di- I didn't realize it was from my childhood. Mm-hmm. There's a color that I don't wear, and it's a co- the color red. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will ask me, why don't you wear red? Red is a power color. It's this, mm-hmm. it's that. You know, it signifies so many positive things. And I couldn't figure out why I didn't like, not didn't like the color red, but why I didn't favor mm-hmm the color red. And I started digging deep. I was like, why, why do I have an issue with that color? And I realized I had a relative of mine that um, grew up in an era where different complexions were a little bit more favored than others. Mm -hmm. And so that color was taught to me that that was not a color that I should wear because of my complexion Mm. I didn't realize that was in my childhood somewhere uh, until I did a Reiki session and it ended up coming out through journaling and so um I was challenged to start wearing red and eventually wear full blown out red I'm not at the full blown out red yet Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. I do have an outfit. I do have pieces for my hair. I do have earrings. I do have yeah. socks. I started off with socks because I love socks. That's another reason why my mismatch socks because I love socks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a sock person. <laughs> Me too. <And> so, <laughs> cool. And so, yeah. So th- that could have been a stopping point for me. Like a lot of things that happen to you when you're a child may be stopping points for you as an adult. And sometimes you don't understand why you think the way you do or why you make certain decisions. Like maybe, maybe, and I I know a few people like this that have challenges in their relationships with, you know, whomever they're trying to have a relationship with, they have challenges and stopping points because they observe something as a child with their parents that may not have been as favorable and it, and it, was embedded in them somewhere they didn't realize it and it's causing them to have a judgment or mm-hmm. or be judgmental towards another person based on a situation that happened 20 years ago that yeah. they don't even realize that they picked up so it's like picking up other people's truths mm-hmm. you know and our parents do the best that they can our families they do the best that they can but they only can do what they can do what was given to them yeah so it was really up to us to discover our truth. And if you genuinely want to be happy, you would do the inner work to find out how to remove these limiting beliefs and blocks. And a lot of it does stem from early childhood or a traumatic experience. 
Yeah, I completely resonate with that because when I did some inner child work myself, because I wanted to understand whether that was the root cause of some of the results and outcomes in my life as an adult. So I did this inner child work and I was like, oh, wow, there's this little seven-year-old Teresha who's trying to keep me safe, who's trying to protect me and stopping me from actually going out there and being the full expression of who I am. And to learn how to how to nurture that, how to nurture that in the child with care, with tenderness as well along that process, not to make that inner child wrong, to say, no, your feelings are very valid. It's like absolutely okay. No, equally, I'm a grown adult now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very capable of making decisions that I feel are right for me in that moment, you know, quote unquote right. And but to show my inner child that love and that care and to understand where that has stemmed from. And by identifying that work, to understand that identifying some of that trauma, you know, um, or wounds, inner wounding, emotional wounds, has helped me as an adult now say, oh, okay, so what could this be linked to? Am I feeling abandoned here? You know, exactly. Or am I, am I feeling rejected here? And what might have caused that? Oh, yeah, I remember that time at school when I was humiliated. Is it humiliation? Oh, yes, that teacher humiliated me. Okay, so it's often said, actually, what we are upset about now isn't truly what we are upset about. It's something from the past that yes. has upset us. And it's that inner wounding that is coming up, making yes. us upset about something right now. And it's not actually something right now at no. all. No. So when you start to identify next some of the inner child work that is done, especially with your clients as well. What kind of journey do you take them on to, to move them to a place where they can maybe dismantle some of those limiting beliefs that they have? So I usually, I have a couple of poems that I have written. I don't have them memorized, so I won't be able to mm -hmm. say them here. But I have a couple of poems that I have written. I do a visualization poem and I take them back to their childhood, okay. take them back to their peaceful self, take, they choose what age they want to take okay. themselves back to. Mm -hmm. And they close their eyes and I take them on the journey. And afterwards, they are, most people are compelled to share where they were and what happened. So for myself, my happy place, or I can go, I can go as far back as age two, and three years old, I have very strong memories, early childhood memories. And I hear that that's not like a very common thing. Mm. Um, but for some reason, I, I do. I have very strong memories all the way down to the age of two. And I can remember laying on my back in my backyard. And I was the kid that ate mushrooms out of the ground and would be eating mushrooms <laughs> oh gosh you don't want to eat any mushrooms here in the uk <laughs> right we have poisonous there we have some that are poisonous here in the u.s as well but back then it was just very free i was born in 1969 it was just it was very free you okay. know you lived off the land kind of thing and i can i had a cherry tree and a pear tree and to give you an example of like, a, a, it could be something like a disappointment. So we were promised, my sister and I were always promised a swing set in a tree house. Okay. And we never got it. Oh. And every time we questioned, it was always an excuse. And it hurt us for a long time. We were hurt for a long time. So I decided to help heal that wound. Mm. And my mismatched socks book and rice and beans means collard greens has a tree house in it. My mismatched socks book displays a swing set 
and just something that we could tie ourselves to like, oh, we got it. Okay. We got it in the book, you know, yeah. so the book, you know, and I, I remember when my sister first read the book, she was like, you put this, you put a swing set in there, you know, she was all excited. And, and so the next story, Rice and Beans Meets Collard Green has the actual tree house of mm-hmm. what I felt like our tree house would look like and what kind of games we would have in there and things of that nature. But I also want to express Teresa that doing inner child work does not always mean it's negative. The positive spin to it, because there are many people that don't have trauma, many people Mm -hmm. that have not experienced anything of that. They had a beautiful childhood. Um, The whole thing in the nutshell is just having a strong connection with your inner child so that you Mm -hmm. can keep that fun and love in your heart. And it helps you to be able to figure out truly what your zone of genius is and what your purpose is. Mm -hmm. We knew more of what our purpose was when we were kids than we do when we're adults, because we've been living Mm -hmm. and again, adopting other people's truths. Yeah. You know, and getting stuck into maybe a nine to five world, you know, yep. so you forget about all that fun stuff you used to paint, you used mm-hmm. to do all those, you know, different things that used to bring you joy. You, yeah. When you were a kid, someone said, what do you want to be when you grow up? You named like 10, 15 things. <laughs> You're an adult. Yeah. You still don't know what you want. You know, yeah. it's like, well, how come I knew back then? You know, because you were free thinking. Mm-hmm. And so having that connection with the inner child, for example, I have a coloring book next to my bed. Whenever I feel like I need to de-stress or unwind, little Shauna and I pull out the crayons and start coloring. I love to work with Play-Doh still to this mm-hmm. day. I know how to make Play-Doh. You can make Play-Doh. Yeah. And just different activities that will help you to be thinking a little bit more freer could help you rediscover or get on track on the purpose, the reason why you're here, if that's the work that you are looking into getting into. Because, I mean, I don't understand why there would be any other reason but to discover what we are here for. Exactly. I mean, we are, and I truly believe that we are here to live a life of purpose on purpose. That's right. And sometimes people are like, well, no, what is my purpose? And this is when I say, okay, tell me a bit more about what you're passionate about. And then then there's the argument, well, I don't really have a passion. I'm thinking, if you go deep down, like let's do a deep dive, there will be something that you are extremely passionate about. Maybe not even extremely, but you have a passion for. So let's go back to when you were younger. Describe to me one of the happiest times of your life when you were a kid. What were you doing? How did it feel? And usually it's, oh, yeah, I was doing this. So how can you replicate that as an adult? So I remember when I was on your um, reflection series recently and I spoke about an example of somebody who was saying, I really love to go on a bouncy castle when I was a kid. Yes. And I said, oh, although you don't call it a castle in. We call it a we call it a bounce house. A bounce house, a bounce house. We call it the castle here. <laughs> <laughs> the bouncy castle. So I said, OK, maybe as an adult, you can explore going on an adult trampoline, you know, going to a place where you can do that kind of activity. You know, something that is very similar or, you know, hula hooping, you know, whatever it is, it's just it doesn't even have to be linked to what your profession is. You may find that your, your purpose and your passion is completely separate to your career. And it might even run alongside it, but at least there's a sense of purpose, something that you can wake up in the morning and say, I might have this nine to five. It might be a little dry. It might be a little dull right now, not overly inspiring, but I also have this. Exactly. So, When you work with your clients, then do you ever find some of the challenges from them 
all the misconceptions when they're trying to find their gifts or their purpose that there's not enough time to do that alongside the functionalities of life. Yes, that's always a big thing. I don't have time. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> and we all know that's a misconception. Yeah. <laughs> we we know how much time we waste. We waste yeah. a lot of time. And it, it doesn't mean that you have to be a robot and go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. It just means I feel like you need to implement what we call your non-negotiables, mm. right? You need to implement some non-negotiables. So if, for example, in the morning time, I spend one to two hours between meditation, journaling, doing some kind of inner self work or something that's fun. If it's listening to a song over and over again during my meditation, or I have a gratitude jar, if I feel like I need to pull out of my gratitude jar and then meditate on that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like implementing non-negotiable times for yourself, if you could be consistent with at least one thing that you say you're going to practice, you know, to give yourself time, even if it's an additional get up 15 extra minutes just to be still start off small steps and then eventually you'll start doing more things that you love to do and it will grow into something that you would never believe like my late husband before he passed he told me not to give up on working my on my brand Mm -hmm. and because I was just gonna chalk it all up I was gonna you know just end it it didn't mean anything he was there from the beginning he gave me the title to my YouTube channel gave me Mm -hmm. all these nicknames and he he helped me with my stories on there where I if you ever see a puppet named Ernest that's my husband I mean he did everything for me to get a view count to get a comment (laughs) he he just always had my back and I always had his back on all of his adventures Mm -hmm. so when he um was you know, getting ready to transition and leave this earth, I wasn't sure if that was something I was supposed to keep doing was that part of the 24 plus years we were together, you know, I wasn't sure. And one of his, um, his last uh, requests for me was that he he told me not to give up and not to quit on my brand. He said, it's going to take you to so many places, you're not going to even be able to believe where it's going to take you. Mm. And he has been absolutely right. He's spent past three and a half years and I have grown tremendously. I feel like I've grown more the last three and a half years than I did the whole entire seven, eight years that I have first appeared online. Yeah. Yeah. And amazing growth. And that's a, such a beautiful message for people to take away. It's about having those non-negotiables in and also the the patience and the resilience to keep pushing you know if you have that passion you have that goal and you have that vision I think that's probably what's quite key is to hold on to the vision and to have trust and faith in that that you can achieve it and something that you're speaking about there with the non-negotiables which I think is quite linked is like the boundaries and barriers that sometimes we can have in our life (laughs) and in our relationships in particular so um, what kind of boundaries or, or barriers have you encountered when it comes to maybe your life or your relationship that you had? Yes. So, yeah, we, we kind of touched on this a little we bit did. on the Reflexive Series show. Boundaries. That's boundaries. a huge, huge deal. A huge. What I've discovered about boundaries is that 
no one else is going to respect them or put them in place for you like you will. Mm -hmm. So you have to be the one to set that. You need to set your own parameters. You need to set, if you plan on going to yoga once a week, nothing should come in the way of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you communicate that with everybody that's involved. You'd everybody know this one day out the week, Wednesday is my day for two yeah. hours. This is what I'm doing. This is what you all will be doing. Everybody will be fine until I get back. Yeah. They will, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and um, you have to, you know, you have to stick to that. If for some reason, let's say, let's say that yoga class was canceled. Mm. Okay, you can be honest with with anyone that's missing you for those two hours, but you should still take those two hours for yourself. Yeah. So what do you do? Maybe you go to the park and you read a book Mm. or maybe you go, you know, go ahead and have some coffee or some tea with some friends. You know, so just you have to be the one to boundaries is tied into commitments. Mm. So it's a commitment to yourself. You're not committing to anyone else. You're committing to yourself first and everybody else is going to respect that you're committing to yourself because in order to be happy and in order to move the needle or find the purpose in your life, you have to not be, you can't be all over the place just going through life without some type of commitment to yourself because how are you caring for yourself Mm -hmm. and how can we care for others if we can't care for ourselves? And we have to set the example of how you care for yourself. And boundaries is tied into that. That's your commitment to yourself. Oh, so agree with what you're saying there, Shana, because it's that commitment, it's self-responsibility, self-accountability as well. It's all part of the self-love. And boundaries is about taking care of your emotional, your mental and your physical well-being. It's from a place of love. That's like having that and for people to have that understanding because we can only be as good as we can be for somebody else if we're being as good as we can be for ourselves. It all starts with us. It's that oxygen mask analogy that you put your oxygen mask on first and then you can save people, isn't it? And then there's barriers. And the barriers for me is more about um, it's a fear-based Barriers, I think, come from a place of fear, insecurities, um, any sort of internal past wounds where it's, you, have, you put up a blockage, basically. And there's less flexibility in a barrier because barriers are quite solid. At least with boundaries, there's that flexibility in terms of that movement because life happens and we grow. But barriers tend to be where it's, I'm not moving on that. You know, absolutely, because there's a fear behind it. Yes. And that's where it's important to tackle that or to understand you a bit must. more about why that is a, a barrier rather than a boundary and to shift that. It's, exactly. it's quite a, a, a thing to do there. Yes. So the barrier, my bad. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Shana. That's also when you said a stopping point mm. is, is, is almost like imprisoning yourself mm. because you've placed yourself it could be from limiting beliefs and all of the other things that you name whatever the reason is you do need to find out what the reason is and how to move it because you will remain there and you could possibly be losing out on opportunities that's going by you of things that you're trying to figure out how to get on your purpose-driven life but you're stuck 
yeah. because you've placed this barrier on you. So you're absolutely right. There's a huge difference between the two. One allows flexibility and growth and love and promotes self-love. And mm. the other one, you're stagnant. Yeah. You, can't, you can't feed it. Mm, absolutely. And when reading your book, because I would absolutely love to tuck into your book, The Power of Love Energy, if that's okay for you for, to yes. us to navigate and move into yes. that real yes. powerful book. And I'm just going to, for people who are watching this on video, I'm just going to bring it up if you can see that there. What a beautiful image. And actual fact, Shana, <laughs> when I found the bookmark, yes. I, have the, I have the image here. <laughs> I have a separate one here too. Oh, oh We've been connected for a while, haven't we, Teresa? Yeah. And on the back here, I've just noticed what it says on the back. It says Mia, Lorenzo's, Shauna, Hibbert, March 2018. That's what it says on the back there. So we've been connected for a while. And when I saw the image on the front of the book too, I was like, absolutely amazing. So firstly, I want to congratulate you and celebrate you for writing a book that is just full of love, is an expression of love. And it was so moving when I read it. It really did. It moved me to tears. I, I laughed as well I love that so many parts during the book because the humor and the humor that you shared with Lorenzo was absolutely amazing thank and, you and also just the dynamics that you have with your family members as well it was just such an um, a fascinating read and I just wanted to read out you know, some of the reviews that you've had you know, on this book um, yes. I believe it was the advanced summer readers described it as a page turner it exudes love in its entirety inspirational and hopeful for love, pure magic, authentic, transparent, and a raw view of grief, a delicious read. It is so rare that we hear stories of love truly enduring all things, a real life fairy tale, an outstanding tribute to her late husband. Having the courage to move on with her life is truly remarkable and profound and heart touching. And I absolutely love that that was 11 comments that you put there because I know 11 is one of your power numbers as well that you have described during the book. 11 is actually one of my numbers too. It's actually in my, oh. my it is, I'm so connected to that number. And actually my personal private plate on my car had the number 11 on it. So okay. when I saw that, I was like, there's another synergy between myself and Shana. Oh, so, always um, from the very beginning. Always from the beginning. So Shana, I would love to just dive you know, a bit more into the book and if you could just describe to the listeners here more about what the book's about and the journey that you take the reader on sure sure so this book starts off with just sharing our soulmate relationship which we were in a soulmate relationship and I believe in soulmates and I believe they come in different forms and different mm -hmm. seasons and times of your life and we had something very special that I felt like needed to be recorded and so it talks about our lives. It talks about um, our journey and all the way up to how I lost him and when he transitioned. And then it ends off with speaking very candidly about the feelings of being a young widow yeah. and what it's like to grieve someone that you will be grieving for your entire life that you love and so the book speaks a lot about resilience um there are parts to the story that we didn't even uh touch a, as my husband was ill at the same time I actually unexpectedly injured my leg and I couldn't walk for a year so I actually was taking care of my husband from a wheelchair and I had to learn how to walk after I buried him so it was a lot of 
it was a lot of high stress in short five months period where we found out he was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is the mm -hmm. granddaddy of all uh, brain cancer tumors. There's no cure for it. And um, it speeds through your body very quickly. So from diagnosis to um, him leaving the earth and my leg and me being in a wheelchair was only in a five month period. So yeah, to burying him. Yeah. yeah, it was a very hard, hard time. The hardest experience I've ever had in my life was losing Lorenzo. We we always said we were on a graveyard shift that we would be well into our 80s, mm. you know, uh, passing away together. We knew that we were connected from the very beginning, from yeah. the very beginning. And you'll see that there were interruptions in the relationship in the book. There were diversions in the book. Mm. And you see how we ended up finding our way back together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you love someone and um, you realize it, because sometimes you may have to step back because maybe sometimes you don't know, you don't see it clearly. And um, nothing can get in the way of that. Mm -hmm. Nothing can get in the way of that. Once two people recognize it and they understand what it is that they have, you you will never let anything get in the way of it. Yeah. And... I hear everything that you're saying there. When I was reading this book, I thought, wow, if this could be like a, a textbook guide to having the most beautiful, healthiest love, I think that this would be absolutely amazing. And for those listening and for those yeah, watching this episode, I would strongly invite you to purchase a copy of this book, which is available on Amazon, I, I believe, because it's the journey between Shana and, and Lorenzo and it is so incredibly moving when I read it. And what I found really, what got me as well was the, the rapidness of how quickly things went almost downhill, if it's fair for me to say that. From yes. It just was, everything just seemed to be like in the sunshine, the stars, and then suddenly there was your illness there was Lorenzo's illness and then the rapidness of, of that to the transition. Like you said, five months from everything that you were sharing yes. with that. And also that he was living with, as you call it, this granddaddy of cancer without even acknowledging it or not even, not even knowing that it yeah. was there. And that's the thing about these like hidden illnesses that we, we don't know. And if there was like a really big takeaway that I got away from your, your book, Shana, was to live life, to absolutely live in the moment and be present. Yes. Be present. And that's what I felt in that. Also, you know, one of the, the takeaways, I took so many away. If you can see, I've, look, I've got like little <laughs> post-it I notes. see the post-its, yes. At the side of it where I was just like documenting Beautiful. key things and, you know, Having bound, you kept your relationship relatively private as well. Yes. And yes. I actually thought that was <laughs> very powerful because in the world where we're very now used to being on social media, sharing our world with with, with the world, yes. um, and then also with families, you were very intentional about keeping your, your relationship private where it needed to be. Yes. Um, so tell me a bit more about that privacy. Why did you make that decision to keep it private? I know we were so young. Um, 
to think this way. Because when we met, we were 23, 24 years old. Mm -hmm. It was, you, we already knew that what we had was unique. And we knew that people wouldn't believe it. You know, there's a lot of people that don't believe in soulmates or believe that you can actually be in love with someone and actually be kind to each other and have fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> excuse me. Unfortunately, we're in a society where we're, we're programmed to believe that you that's not how relationships are. And, and this is not to say that this is perfect. Your relationship is what you create with your partner is perfect for you. Yeah. And for us, we wanted peace, love and harmony. Mm. And we didn't care if we had, we didn't agree on the same thing, or he liked something and I didn't like it. We respected each other's differences all the time. It was the manner of how we did it. Mm. You know, there was no need to have a shouting match. There was no need to, you know, to go through. We just didn't want that. Mm -hmm. We've seen enough of that. And it was like, let's do something different. How about this is our place of peace, our place of solace. The world is already against us. Why would we be against each other? We're supposed to be, it's supposed to be us against the world. And so we just adopted that mindset and just we just went with that it was really important and we had a lot of people that did not want the union to happen we had a lot of people that did not want us together mm-hmm. and so that was another big reason why we needed to be discreet on how we handled our love yeah. we took care of it like a baby mm. yeah nurturing it and with those people for example who went incredibly supportive of the relationship did you have conversations with those people or did you simply just remove yourself from their presence we removed ourselves because we knew our one thing we knew for certain it wasn't our job to convince them of what love was Mm. like if they don't know it if they don't see it if they haven't experienced it there's nothing we will be able to do to convince them otherwise and we will be burning our great energy that we could be given to each other yeah. On somebody else. We were mm-hmm. mature enough to understand that. Yeah. A lot of people felt like we were like brothers and sisters in another lifetime yeah. because we got along so well. Again, like I said, we had difference of opinions. We respected that. There were times that you you read the, you read about the TV story. That was the yeah. biggest thing that ever happened. <laughs> well, it lasted a year. <laughs> it lasted a whole year. A whole Most year people would have had a divorce behind that. <laughs> I was like, it came to a conclusion in a year. But, you know, you tried. <laughs> yeah, I so when you read story. the story, you'll, you'll read the story about yeah. the TV story that took a whole year to compromise on. Yeah. Did it mean that we disrespect each other, go to bed mad and do all of the things just because we couldn't get the answer that day? No. Why? If this is the person that I said I love, this is the person I said I do, this is the person I want to be with, why would I mistreat them because we can't come to a solid compromise that that day? Yeah. You know, and it was a lot of self-talk on both of our ends and a lot of self-reflections on both mm-hmm. of our ends. And being really, and, and I think that's the biggest thing, Teresha, is to have a beautiful love relationship with a partner, you need to really know your truth and feel confident in who you are by yourself. Mm-hmm. No one else can give you what you're looking for. As much as I loved him and he loved me, he could not make me happy and I could not make him happy, but we could enhance each other's happiness. You have yeah. to be happy by yourself. Yeah. 
you know. And sometimes it's that, that interdependence that you have in a relationship, which is good, as opposed to codependency, where you are actually looking for that other person to be the source of your happiness. And the compromise and the, the honesty and the transparency that you had with Lorenzo was a case of that you did speak your truth. You were able to speak each other's truth in that relationship. And at the start of this um, chat that we're having, you spoke about the forgiveness work that you have done on yourself you know, over the years. Did you also um, apply that to your relationship? And how did that help you in your relationship as well, the forgiveness work? Yeah, so the forgiveness. Um, I actually really learned a lot about forgiveness from Lorenzo. Mm. Um, because if you recall, we had a breakup. Yes, I do. We're cool. And most of the that chapter, that chapter right there, I I had a lot of people come back and say, I didn't think you guys were gonna find your way back together. <laughs> you know, it took huh. a lot of forgiveness um mm. on both of our parts, but mostly his. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I went and lived a whole nother life. You did. <laughs> Absolutely. I wasn't expecting that in the book. <laughs> I thought, oh, this is gonna be a very short story. <laughs> exactly and I think that's only like chapter three or four yeah. and so I learned a lot about forgiveness from him and giving grace and especially when you again it goes back to love mm. when you love someone you and and that person is doing the necessary steps or changes to be the best person that they can be mm. now we're talking about healthy boundaries we're talking about healthy love we're talking about self-love we're mm. talking about two people that are pouring into themselves yeah because that's how this works mm. that's how this blows up to be as beautiful as the lo love story that my husband and i had because we both were inner work people yes. we both worked out on we both ate healthy we both did things because uh -huh. we wanted to do it for ourselves first not yeah. for each other yeah yeah. And because of that, that became more attractive. Yeah. It's an attractive trait when you take care of yourself and you love yourself mm. and you have your boundaries. Oh, and then yeah. you come together and then you can do your things together and then you can share what you discovered about yourself. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's very attractive. Oh, one, it was like a power couple. That's what I saw there. It's just like Thank this. Thank you. It, it, it definitely was like the two of you together in combination, you're powerful in isolation, but together as well was just even more powerful. And I just love the way how you encourage each other from the start, from the get go. And that's something that I, I really took from this. And I absolutely love that you also give the ingredients for having a great marriage and a fitting relationship. And I was looking through these ingredients and components and I just thought, yeah, I'm, Things like you no know, listening to one another. I mean, how often do we sit down and truly listening? I mean, there's one thing to sit down and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm listening. But to actually deeply hear what that person is saying and reflect upon it. And this is when I love when you're describing a certain place where you can say, oh, yeah, I, I hear your point of view. Might not necessarily agree with it at this time, but, you know, thank you. <laughs> Bring it. But you still listened. Yes, he used to. Oh, my goodness. So I was I was the type of person that I mean, I just I doted after Riz. Riz was a highly intelligent man mm. and he never coached you or told you anything that he didn't do himself. Yeah. So he was a credible source. Mm. And so whenever I would agree, yes, 
yes, oh yes, that's wonderful, mm-hmm. yes. And then what once every blue moon he'll say something, I say, huh? I'm like, uh-uh. Yeah. No, I'm not. No, I don't, no. Yeah. And he's like, what, Shana? Come on, Shana. Because he's so used to me always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, uh-uh, no, I don't agree with that. You know, it, it would just, and it's just the way you say things. And, you know, I'm like, you know what? You're really cute and handsome and I like you and everything. But you know what? That right there, mm-mm, I'm not going for <laughs> Yeah. And you, you felt comfortable you know, having that honesty and transparency with no judgment. It's a yeah, yeah, this is just my point of view. No judgment, and no hurting each other's feelings. No, I could be myself. Oh, absolutely. That's what you've spoken about is the authenticity of being able to be yourself in life and also in the relationship. And then, of course, you no, know, there was the, the sad you know, impact of, of him transitioning and moving away. And, you know, one of the things and one of the, the, the work that you said that you did was, the, was your grief throw up page. And you just let it out. You just, and that seems to be a real powerful tool for you in order to just release it and just, you know, when I was reading your words, because this is raw and authentic in this book, Shana is not holding back in this. She is writing exactly how she feels. So you are brought into that, those emotions that you were feeling there. Have you, do you look back on that grief throughout page now, or do you have you just put that to one side? I don't have to look at it because it's imprinted Mm. inside of me. Um, Every day when I wake up, Teresha, I'm still in our California king size bed and I'm always looking across and it's always a reminder like he's not here. He's still not here, you know, because for a long time in my grief, I just was pretending that he was on a business trip or gone for a little bit and he'll be back, you know, or this can't be happening. This is not real. Um, One of the emotions on there that I, I don't know why, but it just sticks in my head is um, my eyelashes were hurting and every single strand felt pain. Mm. I didn't even know your eyelashes can feel pain. Like that's deep to me. Like, yes. And I remember when I was writing, my best friend, she's my sister, mm. my best friend's sister. I, I reached out. She said, "How's the writing going?" And I'm like, "I don't. I think I, I think I need to. Like, I think this is too real. You know. I, I said this is just too. I don't think. I think people are gonna think I'm crazy. That's what I was thinking. They're gonna think I'm crazy. I mean, my eyelashes hurt. Like, yeah. You know." But she said, you write the way you feel. It's the only way you can do it, Shauna. Yeah. I was like, okay. And so that sticks out to me because I just, I never thought I could feel anything like that. And when I say, I mean, every single strand was screaming, stop the pain, Mm -hmm. the agony. I'll be honest with you. I'm three and a half years in on this mm-hmm. and I'm going to rock my purpose because he rocked his and we were both born and destined to do what we were supposed to do. We have a job to do. Yeah. At the same time, I will grieve for him for the rest of my life. And I know that when I transition that I will join him. And that's what I told him yeah. when he took his last breath. I just... It just feels like 
we're in two different spheres right now. Mm. And I'll, you know, catch up with him when I'm done with my work here. Mm. Um, but it's mental anguish. And it sometimes I feel like I'm in prison. Yeah. I feel like I have a life sentence because he's not here physically. Yeah. But I hear his voice and um, I still know what he would tell me when I'm at crossroads. Mm-hmm. Um, the love that he gave me will take me out the rest of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was a very, very special person. I am so grateful that I was a part of his life. And he was a part of mine. I so feel that. I so do. And when I was reading this book and when you mentioned about your eyelashes hurting and I could really feel into that because I was like, I can imagine, I can imagine, obviously I'm not in your shoes, but I can imagine how much you can feel through the body, even though it feels like a mental and emotional pain. The body doesn't lie as well, and it will also show you things, but you wouldn't even imagine that it would be the eyelashes as well that you could feel every ounce of because they're so delicate, and that's how delicate you know, the grief process can be, that it it really starts to make you aware of all of the, the components of who we probably are as a person. And you, you shared so much with Lorenzo you really really did and even in your book now you said that you feel that you can you can hear his guidance you know even though he has transitioned but on a spiritual level he's still there with you guiding you and you can hear him at crossroads and you know all of those these things so does that still give you comfort I know you said that you'll be grieving for him for your whole life do you still get that comfort that I do because I'd rather have that than nothing Mm. I know people that's gone through this. I've spoken to quite a few widows. As you can imagine, I've been getting a lot of attention from widows now. Um, Most of them are older than me. There's a few that are younger than me. Mm -hmm. And um, they don't feel anything. Yeah. And I'd rather have this, you know, than than nothing. Mm. So, yeah, Yeah. I'm very grateful for it. I'm I'm still grateful for where I am in my life. I know that all of this did not happen for no reason. Yeah. There's a bigger reason. It's bigger than Shauna and Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. It starts with this book and I'm going to continue to speak about the power of love energy in so many different ways and facets and forms mm-hmm. because I believe that our love and what we went through was not for, for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And through the, the bereavement therapy that you had as well, because I know that was so powerful for you to help you to process exactly where you were feeling. And I think that's really key um, for people who are experiencing bereavement is to seek help, you know, if and uh, if and when needed. Um, you don't have to do this alone. You may feel very isolated when going through grief and bereavement, but equally it's you no know, find source of help. It could be professional help. It might be family friends just somebody you know or people to share just just to share just to have yes. people to listen to and to seek that comfort from now I'm not sure whether you do um do you do grief work with people with coach do you coach people through that yourself now or you not no I haven't I speak about the importance of writing and the connection to 
cracking open your grief. Mm. Um, but at the moment, I'm not coaching anyone in that arena. Yeah. I do have widows and widowers that mm. I'm on phone calls with. I have personal friends and personal family, unfortunately, that has gone through what I went through after mm. me. They're older than me, and I'm coaching them. Yeah. based on what I was trained through my bereavement therapy yeah. and on that spectrum. Yeah. yeah, I see. Now, during those conversations that you've had with those people, and it's lovely to know that you are you're still able to give back for something that is very close to you. you. It's not always easy to do that, yeah. especially when you have that emotional tie to what you're doing there. Have you found that when when speaking to these widowers or people in that situation that if they're in a position where they're even considering finding love again, that there's guilt around that? And you know, how soon is too soon? Do you ever come across people who who have that? Yes. And you know, my bereavement therapist, <laughs> yeah. she did not tell me this. So I I was with her for two years. Mm. And she did not tell me this until after a year in our therapy that she was a widow oh, okay. and her husband passed away from the same disease, glioblastoma. Okay. And wow. she was waiting for me to be at a pretty strong point to be able to handle that. Okay. So when she told me after a year in, I cried like a baby for her, you know, because mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh, you went through that because if you ever look that up, it's, it's a very ugly disease. And what it does to mm -hmm. a person is so disheartening. And it's like, you don't ever want to see it again. You don't want to speak about what you witness, you know, because it shuts down the body. It yeah. just takes over. Mm -hmm. And um, she, she gave me that information. And she also helped me. I'm sorry, I, lo I lost myself. That's okay. Oh. Take, take a moment. Do you take a moment, Shana? Yeah. Yes. <sighs> I will say this, and this is going to sound crazy. Watching my husband transition and being granted the gift of witnessing his last breath was an amazing experience. And it was beautiful. And it was peaceful. Mm. You know, I had to make the decision to give him morphine at a time where mm. the body needed it because I wanted to make sure that he was never in pain. That was my number one thing working with hospice is he cannot be in pain. Yeah. I don't care what we got to do. Pain is not going to be something we're going to be doing. <laughs> you know, that was really important to me. And yeah. even though I couldn't walk and I'm in the wheelchair, I had a pick line in my arm. It was just mm -hmm. a lot, but it was very important to me to deliver him off into the next place that he was supposed to go to. Yeah in the love and respect that he so deserved as my king. Yeah, absolutely. And in this book, you did refer to being a king and a queen, you know, in your dynamic as well. And you supported him so much, you supported each other, but you know, particularly through your own illness and the care, the extra care that you had to give, even though you were unwell during that. I know that 
everybody is you know, super proud of you. Lorenzo is proud of you, watching over you, just knowing that you did your absolute best. You made a commitment to each other. Yes. And that is what is, it's just so apparent throughout the whole book, is the commitment that you had to each other. Even in these these realms here on this physical planet to the spiritual realms too. And he is your absolute true soulmate. So, Shana, I want to thank you so much for for the courage as well. I know you started this book before before the, the events happened as well but for continuing with the book in such a powerful share really is even i'm getting a bit choked up here because um it really it was moving it was moving from the start quite until the end and i will it's one of those books that even though i have read it once i will read it again because it is and compose myself here <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, Jana. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. And there's so much that people can learn and take away from this experience because it's real and it's authentic. And it's a beautiful, monogamous, conscious relationship that you had. And I would strongly invite people to read this book because it's one of those those life books that you put on your bookshelf, but you will always bring it and take it away as well as a beautiful reminder. Um, and it was such an incredible, enjoyable read. So I want to thank you and honour you. And I witness you, thank you for, for everything that you are doing and you continue to do for people. I have to say, in all of my experience of meeting people, in my lifetime, you are just one of the most, you're just an embodiment of love. Thank and you. And it's, it's come across so much and it comes Thank across you. in your book. And I'm so honoured and privileged to be able to share your wonderful love energy with my audience as well so that they can tap into that too. Because once you get some Ashana. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go back. <laughs> you don't go back. No. Oh, Shana, I want to thank you so much for this conversation. And Amazing. If you could leave our listeners with at least one key takeaway to help them along their journey of love, life and relationships, what would that message be? Trust your intuition. Mm. Your intuition will guide you. Don't listen to the other noise outside of that. Make sure it's your authentic truth that's speaking to you. I would not be here today if I haven't done that. Yeah. So true. Thank you so much for sharing Thank that. Thank you. And again, Shauna has spoken about intuition there. And when you read her book, you will see that that has been her guiding light through her journey. So what a beautiful message. Shauna, for everybody who is listening or watching this episode today, if they want to reach out to you, follow you how can they contact you and do you have any events coming up that they can tap into let's see i would like it if you could join my mailing list over at shanahibbits.com on my website that's where you'll see my virtual events as long as in-person events and you can follow me on instagram on facebook at shanahibbits as well brilliant oh thank you and i will drop those links and details into the show notes of this so shana once again thank you so much 
everybody here's the book can you yes. see it the power of love energy yes. Donna has their coffee there too purchase yes. it for yourself for your loved ones for your family and friends loads of people can benefit from reading this book yes so, thank you Teresha this was amazing oh, thank you so much for joining and for everybody who has listened to this episode today I want to thank you for your time for your attention and your energy and until the next episode take great care of yourself and others too Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, make sure to check out the show notes in the description with all the important links and how to connect with and follow Teresha directly. If you are motivated and encouraged after listening to this, please follow and subscribe to this podcast. Hey, and whilst you're there, go ahead and leave a five-star rating and add a review. We would love to hear what aha moments there were for you. And you know that saying, sharing is caring. So tell your family and friends about this podcast too. So until next time, take great care of yourself and others too.